0: ask you, just open your heart for a moment. Open your mind for a moment and allow God to speak. Allow God to say something to you from his word today. I'm not God. I'm just going to speak what I feel God wants to say today and what he has already said in his word. I want to deliver to you this word this morning, Luke chapter 15 and I'm going to start about verse number 11, and uh, let's just start there. Luke chapter 15, verse number 11. If you're wondering why I have an iPad and a computer, it's called a backup plan. So a few weeks ago, my team, I've got a great team, they covered for me and most of you never even knew that my iPad locked up and they had to go to my office, get my computer, deliver it to the platform and I preached and most everybody was oblivious to what happened. And so it was this morning and as I am congratulating all the graduates, my iPad needed baptized one more time. So I had to dash out and get my computer and after a quick reset, I got my iPad back up but I have no faith in this thing. It's new. They say it's not junk, but in my mind, this thing needs baptized. So if you see me baptize it this morning, it's not out of anger, it's out of faith. Luke chapter 15, verse number 11, and he said a certain man had two sons the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Let's skip to verse 18. After being in the pig pen for a little while, man, we know is the prodigal. He's not the prodigal just yet. He's just the wayward son. He said, I will arise and go to my father. Verse 18, I will arise and go to my father and I will say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But he, when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran, fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and put shoes on his feet. For this my son which was dead is and he was lost but now he is found and they begin to make merry by the help of the lord if you will give me a few moments of your attention i'm going to speak to you on this subject never too far from home never too far from home father help me this morning to deliver your word that you put in my spirit to this congregation this morning to these maybe there is a wayward child in this room today that wants to hear the word of the Lord and would be drawn to you to see you and to know you and to hear you once again speak hope help and love into their hearts we honor you in Jesus name amen turn to somebody next to you before you're seated and tell them you're never too far from home you can be seated Today we've celebrated a very significant crossroads in the lives of some very important individuals, our graduates of 2021. The decisions that they have made that have brought him brought them to where they are are very important decisions. And in no way would I ever diminish or minimize what has been accomplished as a matter of fact, I congratulate our graduates and commend them on a job well done, but when it comes to decisions, decisions that you have made in your earlier years of life perhaps may come very short in comparison to the importance of the decisions that you will be required to make into the future. Decisions such as who you will marry, what occupation you will pursue, how to further your education. All of these are very, very important and will impact your future. And I want to help you today and I want to speak some things from my heart to you today. Some recent research I was reading through, it was pointed out to me that 95% of our apostolic youth that leave the church do so between the ages of 18 and 22. 95% between 18 and 22. And I stand here this morning taking the time to recognize you and to speak directly to you because be it graduate or not, to all of our youth and young adults that are in this room, I want to say to you, I as your pastor don't want to lose one of you. Now I understand that many of you are making plans for college, your future work, what the next step is in your life. you're planning your education and you're preparing for your career. These are good things. You're working to get ahead in life and that's, that's a good thing. But I must tell you today that none of us know what tomorrow holds. If we just look at small segments of our life, who would ever have believed Sixteen months ago, who would have ever believed that we would have dealt with a pandemic that has changed the face of the world? If you consider technology as blessed and cursed as it is, technology and communication is increasing so rapidly that one can hardly keep up with it and it, it is expected to continue to increase. All of the accomplishments and trends are moving so rapidly that even people in the in the tech world have difficult times keeping up with it. Inventions before they can get through the legal process are surpassed with new inventions that overlap them. My generation grew up without computers in their home, if you can possibly imagine life without a computer. Most businesses kept records in spiral-bound notebooks. Can you imagine? We literally wrote notes to our girlfriends in class. Passed them through, teachers would snatch them out of a friend's hand as you were passing them across the room and then read them aloud to the whole class. There were no cell phones, certainly no texting. When I was a child, our phones were party lines. How many here can lift a hand and say, I actually remember party lines? Oh, Lord, we're just identifying our age. (laughs) This this group here is going party lines. What is that? (laughs) When you would make a call, first off, you picked up the phone, and you may hear somebody else talking. So you had to put it down and wait until your neighbor stopped talking because you shared a line with your neighbor. And so you'd pick it up, and it's like, hey, I really have an important call I need to make. Could you cut this a little shorter? (laughs) After a while, you learned to recognize who your neighbors were and so you knew who the rude people were. And eventually, you would get a dial tone and you you would make a call, but dare not speak against your neighbor because they can secretively pick up the phone and listen in. Real talk. Letters were actually written by hand cursive and typed out on a typewriter if it was official. When I went to college, I was one of the blessed kids with a typewriter. Typewriters are these little things that look like keyboards on computers. And they make little clicking sounds as you write, and it literally has this little hammer with a letter on it that clicks onto the paper with a carbon copy that is putting ink onto the paper as you are clicking. had to explain that. We found out what was going on in the world by reading a newspaper. They were delivered, kids and youth, Got paid to deliver newspapers. I was a newspaper boy. Any newspaper delivers in the house? Goodness. Look what you're missing out on. A nickel, I remember when I got a raise to a dime per newspaper. I'm old enough to remember my parents getting their first microwave. And we were certain that it was going to cause cancer, so when you use it, leave the house. (laughs) Now, I grew up in southeast Texas, 100 plus degree temperature. I remember the day my parents turned on their first air conditioner in our home. That's how old I My wife's much, much younger. Let me clarify. I remember going to church and having handmade wooden pews that had slats on them with spaces between them. If you've ever sat on one of those, you will never forget when your friend gets up quicker than you. Because you would hear a sister yell out. It wasn't in the spirit. The slap could pitch the bottom side. And after they got a little use, nails would come up in them and would snag your clothes. That's how old I am. We sung out of song books. As a matter of fact, how many of you have ever sung out of songbooks? Hey, I even have a few of the kids lifting their hands. Like, let me tell you, we knew those songs, but there was comfort in holding that songbook. I guarantee you right now, I could call a page number and some of you could say, Heaven's Jubilee. And if I started singing, you would just take off with those words, knowing exactly what they are. Some glad morning we shall see Jesus in, see, coming after. See, they know. But we thought we needed songbooks. All the saved folks were called up to the platform to sing like a choir. And only three or four people would be left out in the little church out front. So everybody knew who the unsaved folks were. It was strange. I remember... I remember dating a young lady in Louisiana going over to this larger church for that day and they called all the church to the platform and the only people left out front was about three people that never went to church and here was this preacher's kid in a suit and tie sitting out front and I must be the backslider. (laughs) The whole church has their eye on you come altar call. I remember church till midnight six-week revivals every night of the week without a break and you dare not miss or you were going to be the one sitting out front. And then the kids still got up and went to school every day, walked uphill both ways in the snow in the middle of summer. Times have changed. So what does all of this mean? None of us really know what tomorrow is going to look like. We don't know what's going to happen. We've been having a lot of conversations. It seems a lot of people are talking about the economy and where we are and what what is going to happen. Will there be a collapse, the devaluation of the American dollar, uh, inflation, the cost of goods increasing so rapidly. And what does all of this mean and what how is all of this going to come Uh, into fruition. What is this going to mean for us? What, What will the next three months, six months, a year, what will this look like? And the truth is, none of us really know. What we do know is that change is happening so incredibly rapidly someone asked me I wonder what future generations will say about us using macbooks and preaching from ipads and I'm guessing they will be laughing at us wondering what were we thinking we really don't know we really don't know what the future is going to hold but we do know who holds the future and I suggest that you anchor your life in the one that is unchanging that is eternally Good, that is the the one that never changes. He is God and says in his word, I change not. But I want to talk to you about your decisions and the choices that you're going to make over the next few months and next few years of your life. Where will you end up? What will your life look like? Everything has to do with where you are being led today. Where are you allowing your life to go today? Who are your friends? People say, show me your friends and I will show you your future. Look at the five closest people to you. That's likely what your life is going to become. That's why it's important to choose your friends wisely and who you link up with and who you marry and who you build a relationship with is the most important decision you can make outside of serving god and that decision and that decision may carry a lot of weight on whether you serve god or not In college, you will be bombarded with all sorts of faithless and atheistic teachings and ideas. You will be taught that you're self-sufficient and the only thing that is important is what you personally get out of life. But I want to tell you that the self-centered approach to life will lead you to much heartache and disappointment one such story of a young man that I read to you about this morning that only cared about himself in our text. He was not concerned about his brother, his mother is not mentioned, and he's not concerned about his father. The scripture says a certain man had two sons, and the younger of the two sons, we refer to him as the prodigal, but he was really son. He's not the prodigal until he comes back home. The younger of them in verse 12 said to his father, Father give me, say that, say those two words with me, give me. Father give me the portions of goods that belong to me. And the father did not withhold that from him because He obviously had reached an age that the father was willing to allow him to do what he wanted to do. It doesn't give the details, whether the father fussed with him and argued with him and told him he was making a mistake. We don't have insight into the details. But what we do have is that the younger of them said, give me. And the father divided his portion of goods and said, this is your inheritance. Here it is. This is not the time, this is not the place, this is not the season, but you are pushing the Father, and so He will do what you're asking. I will allow you to go free. One of the first things we see in this story is the attitude of the younger that He said, Give me. This is a childish request. Give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. A selfish request. We live in a day-to-day where it seems like nobody wants to work for the things they get. They want everything given to them. They wait for somebody else to take care of them instead of going and making it happen for yourself. I told you how old I was. Let me me tell you again how old I am. When I went to college, one time during my college, did my dad send me one $20 bill. I worked and paid my way through college. Paid for my car, paid for my insurance, bought my own clothes. Don't feel sorry for me. Because I also support my wife, supported my three children, give to missions, give to the work of ministry, and am blessed beyond measure. No hand claps for me. I don't want you to look at me here today. I'm trying to give you a pattern by which your life will be blessed. The Bible said a man that doesn't work doesn't eat. The whole give me attitude, let me find an easier way, let me sit back and let somebody do it for me. Listen, I came this morning to rise to this podium to speak to a group of people that want more out of life than just a give me attitude. Get up every morning, shower every morning, go to work every day, supply what your family needs. Don't anyone get offended if you are unable to work. I'm not speaking to those who are unable to work. I'm not speaking to those who do not have the capacity or the ability or are beyond the age of being able to work. I'm talking to mainly today a group of students that I really feel to minister to today to tell you how life really is going to look in the future. Give me. This request centered around possessions. That attitude says there's not much more to life than things. Give me. As you get older, you will discover that things mean less. This request was granted. He got what he thought he wanted out of life. And not many days after that he was given everything. Parents, let me speak to you today. Watch what transpires. The Bible says in verse 13, and not many days after. There is a price to be paid when we as parents give to every desire of our children. First, the son says give. Not many days later, he gathered together and took his journey into a far country. As soon as he got everything he could get, he no longer felt he needed his father. He now felt he was self-sufficient. He traveled into a far country. He didn't just go down the block across town. He wanted to get completely away. And there, the Bible said he wasted his substance with riotous living. That doesn't mean he was just rioting. That means he wasted everything he had. I have talked to young people, even young people, yes that have said, oh, if I could go back and redo the last four years, the last six years, how different it would be. Listen, when your parents speak to you, when some, when your youth pastor speaks to you, when your pastor speaks to you, when one of the ministers in this church speak to you, they're not against you. Your parents are not against you. This church is not against you. We are trying to help steer you in a direction that will help you become successful so you don't look back and forth Years, six years, eight years, ten years, and say, I have so many regrets. And not many days later, the younger son gathered together all, and he took his journey into a far country, and there he wasted. Everybody say, wasted. And there he wasted his substance with riotous living. This request brought much heartache and paying to him and to his family. To watch him self-destruct, to watch him lose the things he had, must have been one of the most painful things to do. A successful father divides his goods and watches his son self-destruct, lose everything that the father gave him. Let's turn this to a spiritual application. Where God has given us so many opportunities in life to serve Him and to walk with Him. How must He feel when His children that are blessed because of everything that's around us, blessed because of our family, blessed because of our friends, blessed because of the church, and we say, we don't need it, I'm going to take a journey to a far country. I want something. I want to go somewhere that I've never been. How would a blessed father feel knowing that his son was living in want? This young man spent his life in a pig pen. Understand, this is a, a story, this is a parable. This is a story, not this is a story that that has deeper meaning than the the substance in which you were reading. It is speaking to the spiritual life and to the heart of men and women and young people that reach a point of saying, hey, now I can do anything I want. What are my decisions? Give me, let me go, and waste. But the Heavenly Father is looking at every young person that has grown up in and around the church, every person that's been raised by a godly family and is saying, hey, don't say that. Don't take what you have and run to a far country. Stay with the church. Stay with God. Stay close to your family. Don't waste what you have. Don't waste what you've been given. Use it. Be wise. Be blessed. And succeed. I've been doing a lot of talking because in my opinion, parenting doesn't end at 18. My, my kids are all married now and I have to remember that. Thankfully, they all three married wonderful ladies that can continue to parent them. That one needs help. (sighs) Lots of help. My season has changed, but as a parent, I'm still here. I'm still offering counsel and advice. My oldest called me this week, Dad, I'm needing to make some business decisions. I want to run this by you. What do you think about this? What is is your opinion on this? I couldn't tell him this is what you need to do or what you have to do, but I continue to be a parent. I softly and gently nudged, gave advice, gave counsel, gave scenarios, and let him make his decision, and he made a good one. I feel like a successful parent. Because I feel like I raised a son that can make good decisions. I look around me today and see students that have been so blessed. Some raised up in and around church. Some maybe somewhere along your life have come in. Some are newer in and around church. God has blessed you and give you an incredible opportunity. What you do with this opportunity will have everything to do with what your future is going to look like. When you look around you I look here today and see my amen corner sitting right in the middle I don't call people out too often I'm gonna embarrass sister Thompson today because she just put her hand down because the whole time I have preached today she's been lifting her hand and giving me a you you go you go pastor you go one of our elders that's here that's lived a few days that knows a few things about life is looking up at a much, much younger pastor and saying, go ahead, tell them, because I got to where I am because I listened to somebody and made the right choices. You want to be blessed? Don't look at the one that has had a life full of failures. Find somebody that has been successful, that has had some history of success. Confide in them. Talk to them. Listen to them. Let them speak into your life. Let them help you become what they are. I got to stop meddling and start preaching. The process of growing up has a way of causing children to come to themselves. The first thing that happened was he grew up He found himself in the pig pen. In verse 17, the scripture said, and when he came to himself, when he came to himself, it's like, holy cow. I'm sitting here today in a pig pen. I could be sitting in my father's house. I could have access to everything in my father's house, complete access, because I'm a son. I have access to everything, but instead of access to everything, I wanted my portion, because I was selfish, and I took my portion, and now I've wasted it, and I have nothing left, and here I am sitting in a big bin eating the scraps that the hogs should be eating. And he came to himself. Pickpins have a way of causing people to come to themselves. But the story here is, this is very difficult for parents. I was just talking to someone last week, and I said, stop being an enabler. They didn't like that. I said, you have to stop being an enabler. You have to allow them to hit rock bottom. I know I'm an enabler. I'm an overcoming enabler. Even as a pastor, I have to be careful not to enable because that's in my nature. And the nature of most good parents are naturally to enable, but we have to be careful that we allow them to get to rock bottom so they can come to themselves. And when they come to themselves, they then will realize, I need change. Verse 18, after verse 17, when he came to himself, verse 18, he said, I will arise and go to my father. We give the prodigal a lot of grief over his failures, but there's something I want to point out. No matter how low he may have gone, he still had enough sense about himself to know that he could always go back home. I recognize that I'm standing between you and lunch. Give me about 10 more minutes and I'll be out of here today. But let me tell you today that no matter how far in life you go, no matter how far you stray away from God, how far you stray away from the church, it doesn't matter. I want you to know that there is a path that leads back home. You never get too far. It doesn't matter if you walked in these doors today broken, if you walked in these doors bound by addiction, by pain, by grief, by a life of despair, there is always a road that leads back to the Father's house. You were on that road this morning and the Father is here today and he has open arms and he's saying come on back home. Come on back to me you don't have to continue the life you're living you don't have to stay on that road of brokenness and pain there is a road that leads back you're never too far to get back to the Father's house oh somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise today there's a path that leads back home there's a Father reaching for you today. There's a God with open arms saying, come back home. That's right. And when the Father saw him coming, he ran out to meet him. He doesn't leave you where you are. But the Father will run to where you are today. You think you're too dirty. You think you're too broken. You think you've gone too far. But you haven't gone too far for grace. You haven't gone too far for the love of God to reach you. You haven't gotten too far away. There is only one sin the Bible says that is an unpardonable sin and it is blasphemy against the Holy Ghost and that's a whole nother subject for another time but I would venture to say today you haven't gone too far that God can't reach you. You're not too dirty that his blood can't cleanse you. You're not too broken that he can't pick up the pieces, put you back together and build your life all over again. Your poor decision. Your bad judgment calls, they may have hindered you, but they don't have to hinder you from this day forward. You can make a decision today. I am going back to the Father and let him change my future. I'll lift your hands all over this building. The presence of the Lord is here. He loves you today. Just let him know, God, I love you with all of my heart. Hallelujah. Be seated just for a moment. I'm closing. The music and prepare to come forward today. When he gets back to his father, he left saying, give me. But when he got back to his father, he didn't get back and say, give me. He didn't go back and say, give me me food give me raiment, give me more, help me. When he went back, his words were, make me. His words, Father, just make me as one of thy hired servants. He understood that he didn't deserve it. He understood that, it, that, that he had done nothing that merited what God could do in his life. He understood that the father, he understood that the father could reject him, but the father met him with open arms, and now he says, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve your blessings, your goodness, your kindness. I don't deserve the father's house. He said, I'm no more worthy to even be called your son. Just make me as one of your hired servants. Just let me glean in the field. Just let me work for my pay. Just let me me serve you. What a change. Give me to make me. This request centers not around what I have, but what I am. I left saying, give me. Now, Lord, I'm saying, make me. It's not about what I gain in life. It's about who I am. Make me. Father, make me what you want me to be. If you entered this room today broken, you entered this room today knowing that you need to be made over again, the best prayer you can pray is, Father, make me. Make me over. Make me afresh and anew. I'm no more worthy to even be called your son. I've made so many poor decisions. I just want to be whatever you want me to be. It doesn't matter what title I hold, what position I feel, where where I rank. Make me as one of thy hired servants. But the father turns to the hired servants. He said, not my son said go get a robe put on him I'm going to establish the fact that he's not a servant he's my son go kill that fatted calf that we were keeping up here for a party we were going to have go ahead and kill it and prepare it start cooking it and put it on the roaster because we're going to have a feast around here because my son that was dead he said oh by the way go ahead and get a ring and Put it on his finger because I want him everywhere he goes to know that he still has my authority, the authority of the father's house to put on the ring of the family to say, this is me. I'm back home. And then take some shoes and put on his feet because everywhere he walks, people are going to know he didn't just happen here, but he's right where the father wants his feet. You think you got here this morning by accident? No. God designed and arranged this moment for you to be here today. His love is so thick in this room right now. His compassion is so strong right now. I feel his presence in this room right now. And he's just wanting somebody to say, that's me. I'm coming home today. I, I'm coming back down that road. I know it feels like a long way to walk this morning, but I'm gonna I'm gonna invite you here in just a couple seconds to get from where you are and walk to the front of this room. If that's you today and you're coming home, I just I know it's a hard step. It's hard to get up from the pig pen. That's it, Nick. Come on. Somebody join him right up here in the front. God's calling some folks today, and he's saying, come on to me today. Come on to me today. Come on, give all these that are stepping forward a great big hand. They're making a good decision today. God's calling them. Altar workers and ministers, step up here where you are today. Join these that are coming to the front. Come on, don't don't miss this opportunity today. God's moving. God's moving. Coming after me. Oh, yeah. Church, be sensitive today, be sensitive today, there's hungry souls here today.